this morning by looking at the passage of Scripture uh, where we find this phrase, uh, I am the Lord that healeth you. Uh, and so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. Uh, and look at it. So if you've got your Bibles, um, yeah, it would be great if you could turn there. Um, and I th- John, you're going to stick it up on the screen. Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. And it says this. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So, where does this story fit into the Bible? Where's the, uh, what's been happening before it uh, and what's going to happen after it? It's always important, I think, to understand these things. So what's happened, this story is right after, three days after, in fact, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, uh, where the people of Israel had escaped uh, from, uh, well, or been led out of Egypt, where they had been captive for 400 years or so uh, as slaves to the Egyptians. And what's happened is they've crossed over uh, the Red Sea and they've basically gone into the desert. And within three days, obviously, they've left uh, the lovely lush land of Egypt where there was kind of lots of plenty of this and that and everything, and they've suddenly found themselves in a desert. And one thing we know about deserts is that in deserts there aren't much water. Uh, and so, unsurprisingly, after three days, they were beginning to get very, very desperate. Right? You imagine that you're a father, right, and you've got three kids and a wife, and you suddenly realise that you've brought your family out into the middle of the desert, and there's no water. And so they begin to grumble, and they begin to complain, and they begin to worry. And they come across this, uh, this spring, this river, this place, which they decide to call Mara. Uh, and it's, it's a, obviously a nice place to drink water, but there's one problem, yeah? The water is bitter. Yeah, the water is undrinkable, right? You go along, you try and drink it, and you can't. Uh, and so they think, how, what a slap in the face. We've got no water. We get to a position of water, and it's bitter. And then the Lord comes in, and he deals with it, and he makes the water uh, pure. And then he uses this phrase, I am the Lord, your healer. And so that's the context It's part of this story of what God is doing. And I think what we need to understand about uh, this story is is that these people had reached this position uh, of coming to the waters to drink. But like every single one of us, they have a past. Everybody has a past, right? For good, for bad, for whatever it was, for indifferent, they have a past. And I want us to uh, think about the past that these Israelites had had challenged because this picture of the bitterness of the water 
was a picture of the bitterness in their own souls. And that the Lord really wants to deal with bitterness in our lives as he wanted to deal with bitterness in their hearts. So I'd like us to turn um, to a passage, uh, Exodus chapter 1. Let's go back to right where this captivity begins. Which would have been around about 400 years, about 400 years earlier. And it says, Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 to 14. And it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh uh, store cities, uh, Pithom and Ramses. Uh, uh, But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves, and their lives were made bitter with hard service, with mortar and brick, and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made to work as slaves. This is the story of the people of Israel, right? Their lives were made bitter, right? I think it's amazing. You've got this start of Exodus. Their lives were made bitter. And the first thing the Lord does for them, having delivered them out of Egypt, is to deal with this bitterness. He deals with the bitterness that had been a product of their past. It's the first thing he does before he takes them onto the next journey. And so I want to talk about some of the things that might happen in our past, the things that we see in their experience that sometimes or will, if left undealt with, if left undealt with by God, will leave us bitter. And the first is this. They were totally and utterly devalued. They were totally devalued. If you were treated like a slave, that means really, particularly in those days, you were treated like a slave, that meant you had no value. You were essentially to them just as good as an animal, right? They treated the, the people of Israel, the Egyptians treated the people of Israel like animals. Literally, they were made to work. And when they, didn't, they wanted more from them, they just hit them harder and made them work harder. They weren't treated as, well, as, as equals or welcome citizens. They were slaves. They were treated as second-class citizens. And there may be of times in your life where you have been utterly devalued by people around you, treated as second-class. I, I remember um, being... Uh, someone asked me this when I, I was thinking about uh, this sermon. And, you know, one of the most harrowing experiences of my life was being bullied in secondary school, right? I remember being bullied. I remember the name of the chap that did it. Um, and, you know, it, it leaves you, doesn't it? Do you know that feeling of being devalued, of being mocked, of being made to feel like the outcast, of being the one that nobody wants to be around or the one that you feel on the edge? And this is how the people of Israel felt. They felt, we have been totally devalued. We've been treated poorly. And this morning, you may be bringing to this morning's meeting... Right? Even though it may be buried deep within you, a sense of being devalued by everybody else around you or by one person in particular. It's amazing, isn't it, how it only takes one person to really devalue you for it to have a significant impact in your life. They felt devalued. Secondly, what do we know about the Israelites? They were mistreated. They were made to work excessively hard. They were put under real pressure 
You've got to produce more. And when they were producing loads and the people of Israel got, the people of Egypt got crossed to them, what did they do? They said to them, make them produce even more. They put even more pressure on them. And you know, there may be times in our life when we have had to work, and I particularly think of, you know, maybe there's people here that have worked for bosses or maybe parents, right, who have pushed so hard. And you think to yourself, this is unfair. I'm being treated unfairly. And you do your best, and someone turns around and says, it's not good enough. You should have produced more. Maybe there's someone here this morning that did their absolute best at school, and then their parents still turn around when they got a grade and said, well, should have done better. What does that do to your soul and your heart? When you're doing your absolute best, you're giving it all, and you've been mistreated. It leaves you bitter. Thirdly, and I, I, this may be specific to somebody here, but the third thing we know about the children of Israel in that situation, they were physically abused. They were physically abused. We know from the story of Moses that Moses had to run away from Egypt because he intervened because he saw one of the Egyptians beating Israelites. And he stopped in and he, he got involved and, and he, he killed the, the Egyptian and then realised he had to run away because, you know, what he'd done. We know that they were beaten, and you maybe, and I have no idea uh, what this is about this morning, but there may be people in this room that have been physically beaten, hit, abused, and it leaves a scar on you. It may have been something that happened at school, where you were knocked about in the playground, you never really said anything. But it affects us, doesn't it? It affects us in deep ways. Fourthly, what we know about the children of Israel is that they lost, for many of them, they lost the thing that was most precious to them. You imagine losing your firstborn child. Imagine losing your son. Moses was one of the children that was, was, uh, was protected. God saved him. But Moses' peers would have had brothers, sons, who were no longer there because the Egyptians had killed them. What does that feel like? To feel in captivity and find that thing that was so precious to you is taken away. And there may be things in our lives that have been ripped from us. Ripped from us. And we're left feeling like one of the most precious things to us in our world was just taken. The children of Israel had been through a bitter experience. We saw that in Exodus chapter 1. It was bitter to them. And God wanted to deal with their bitterness. God wanted to heal their hurts and their past. And this morning there are things in our lives, if there, or if there are things in our lives, and I'm convinced this morning, uh, maybe because it's just what I feel the Lord has put on my heart, there are people here and God wants to heal you of some of the things that have gone on in your past. Some of the things that have left you scarred and bitter. Things that have created uncertainty and unhappiness. Things that are so deep within you that you've blocked them out. But yet it's still affecting you. And the Lord wants to say to you this morning, I am your healer. So what happens 
when we suffer things that we don't really deal with. And the truth is, right, maybe you're, you're nothing like me, but I am not great at dealing with things, right? Okay, only ask my wife, right? Okay, it's not just admin I'm bad at dealing with, right? I'm not necessarily good at dealing with things in my own life, you know? When stuff happens to us that hurts us, what's our natural mechanism? Box it up, seal it up as best as we can, and put it in the cupboard at the back Right, as far away as we possibly can and hope that somehow it never comes back to get us. Is that just me? But the trouble is, is it doesn't work like that. Right? When we've got things that we leave undealt with, they don't just stay in the box. They just creep and grow and grow and affect us. And even though we might try and block it out, we suddenly realise we just don't go in that room or that area of our life because it's just bitter to us and it's blocked us out. And so what are we... What do you think the, the people of Israel were bitter about? And I think that they were bitter about two things. Firstly, we can be bitter towards another person, can't we? We can find that we're angry. And, and this, when we're bitter towards somebody else, it tends to express itself in some kind of anger, right? When you've suffered at the hands of somebody else, it tends to be, ang- there tends to be some kind of anger, right? Uh, Daniel will remember this, all right, but I don't know if anybody else will. Daniel and I went to the same school. Uh, Daniel was, is, is older than I am, <clears throat> um, but we had a rugby teacher, right, who was a fairly formidable character. His name was Mr. Horribin, right? He's passed away now, and he had been a prop forward who had played for rugby, Ireland rugby, I believe, um, and he was... Uh, an old school grammar, you know, sort of sports master, P master, if any of you know what that kind of thing's all about. A massive bloke, right? And he was, to be honest, would you say at times, verging on abusive, right? In a kind of, in a, he wasn't really, but he was just very harsh, wasn't he, right? And he would, could be unkind. I mean, put it like this, he did pick me up once and pin me on a peg, literally. <laughs> um, no, no word of a lie. He picked me up by one hand, he was a big man, he picked me up and he went across. Don't do that again. And literally, I was hung right on his peg. Um, <clears throat> all right? I actually enjoyed that, right? But that's, <laughs> that wasn't... But that was... But I remember, right? And I remember... I, I don't know what it was, right? And it, I'd, I'd, I was playing rugby. I remember what it was. And I'd kicked the ball, and it had gone out of touch without bouncing, right? Okay? And when you do that in rugby, it means you go all the way back to the point where you kicked it, right? All right? And I remember him just yelling at me across the, this rugby pitch, because we were playing rugby, and just utterly belittling me across this pitch, right? And I remember going home. I must have been about 13 or 14 at the time. And I realised that it was, it was happened on the Saturday morning. And I remember the Sunday afternoon being so angry about it, right? And I realised it, it just, I felt so angry about it. And do you know what I did? I still remember where it was, about 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock on a Sunday evening, right? And I got down, and I was only about 14 on my knees. And I absolutely shouted at God into this chair, Right? I don't recommend this, but I used a lot of rude words, okay, all right, before the Lord. But somehow, at age 14, the Lord understood, right? And the Lord dealt with my bitterness. Because when you're bitter towards someone else, right, and after that, it never bothered me again, right? And that's why I didn't mind when he hung me on the peg, because I was winding him up, right? Okay, right, but, um, but when, you're angry to, when you're bitter towards somebody else, you will be angry, and there will be anger in your soul. The other thing, um, and I don't necessarily think this is about the people of Israel, but we can be bitter at ourselves. Right? We can, but when things happen, we can be bitter in our, about ourselves. We can be cross at ourselves. And this generally comes out of some kind of frustration. How can I have been so stupid? 
How can I have been allowed myself to be so vulnerable? I'm never letting that happen again. And we become frustrated. And, it, and what often happens is that bitterness turns into some kind of ambition and drive. We've got to prove ourselves. We've got to make something of ourselves. We've got to prove that we're never going to do that again. Up comes the barriers. You see often some of the most tough people that you've ever met, right? And they're all, they, they're hard. They've got it all together. The truth is, is underneath it, somewhere in their life, someone has hurt them. And who do they blame? They blame themselves for being so stupid to ever let it happen. You're not healed. You're not happy. You're not at peace. It is bitter yourself but I think this was the bitterness I think the Israelites had is I think they were bitter towards God in some way right because although God had provided great deliverance they were convinced that God was powerful they were convinced they believed in God's deliverance but as yet they did not believe in God's love because for 400 years God had let them suffer and suffer and suffer and in their hearts, they've become, I think, disappointed with God. Disappointed. Imagine losing your firstborn child. How does that make you feel? I can't imagine how that makes me feel. And God had to come and show them his loving kindness. He had to demonstrate, I am the Lord who heals you. And what he's really saying is, I am the Lord that loves you. I'm the Lord that wants to touch your life. And these years of bitterness, these years of hardship, right, they didn't see God's loving kindness in the, in the great sea that had been parted, the great miracle of walking through the Red Sea. They didn't see it there. They saw it in the touch of his hand in healing. You see, you can't... I love this phrase. I heard it before, right? It's not mine, but I liked it, so I'm going to share it with you. It's so true. It says, you can take the people out of Egypt but you can't take Egypt out of the people. You see, you can take people out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of the people. You see, the problem was, is that God had removed them from the place of, of, uh, of oppression and captivity, but the truth was they were still oppressed and captive in their own hearts because they weren't free in their own hearts, you know? And God wants to lead you not just out of physical or emotional captivity. He wants to bring you to a place of peace and healing and freedom. And, and this, is, <clears throat> this one is my own. Right, write this one, write this one down. Right, okay. God doesn't just want to deal with you. He wants to heal you. Right? God just doesn't want to deal with your past. God wants to heal you from your past. And that is a difference between when something's dealt with and something's healed, right? Other than just the change of the D and the H, right? Okay? There is something, right? You can, if you have been wronged, right, you can obtain justice, right? You can put the wrong right, can't you? Right? It can be dealt with, right? You can get justice, but it doesn't mean that you're healed. The thing might be put right, but it doesn't mean that you've been healed. And God wants to go further than dealing with your past. You may say, well, my past, you know, that's dealt with, that's in the past, I've kind of, I've boxed it up, right? And I know that God's dealt with it and it's covered, but somehow you're still limping. You're still scarred, you're still affected, you're still, somehow that bitterness in your life has still not truly been healed, and I want to tell you that God wants to come and bring a complete healing. A complete healing. You know, I believe that God is saying this morning that he can so completely deal with your past and so completely 
deal with your bitterness, that quite literally you get to a position in your life where it really just doesn't affect you or bother you and it's almost like you forget it. Now for some of you, you're thinking that is just not possible. That is absolutely not possible. Tim, if you knew the things that I've been through, you seen the new things that I've affected with you, then you would not believe that. And I really wrestled with this before the Lord. I said to the Lord, Lord, is that really possible? Is it really possible for you to deal so completely with someone's past or someone's hurts or someone's issues that literally it becomes as though it never happened? And I believe this is what the Lord said to me. He said, Tim, yes, it is. I can work so miraculously and so powerfully in someone that they can move on in their life as though something has never happened. You see, we need to be careful that we don't believe a kind of natural philosophy of God, which is that basically God can come and deal with you, but really you're never going to be the same again. I want to tell you this morning, that's absolutely a lie, right? And I was thinking about this and thinking, yeah, but you know, sometimes we've got scars, you know, things that affect us. And there's people here that kind of, they've, God's dealt with stuff in their life, but they've still got the scar. You know, the thing about a scar is, it's like a battle wound, isn't it? It's like evidence. You're sort of saying, you know, I need to keep my scar because I need to remind myself of where I've come from. Or I need to remind myself of why I'm like this. Or the why I behave like this. Or why I do these things. And it's almost like, to be honest, it's like a sense of pride. I'm hanging on to those things which were my past. And I don't want to let them affect me anymore, but I still want to prove. I went through that, right? And I want to be kind of proud about the fact that I've been through that and I got through it and I came out the other end and God's good. And it's almost, do you understand what I mean? It's almost like a sense of pride. It's holding on to the thing that God wants to deal with and heal with. Because when Christ comes into your heart, you just move on. You can move into something completely new completely fresh, something that brings real liberty and real peace, where you're no longer looking behind you thinking, well, that's where I've come from. Really, your eyes are fixed on, I'm more interested in where I'm going than where I've come from. And that's what the Lord wants to bring. You know, when it, and that's why I believe when God comes to deal in this situation with bitterness, right, what it says, it, you know, the actual phrase, Jehovah Rapha, it means I am the Lord that heals you. And it's like another way of translating it would be I am the Lord that fixes you. I'm the Lord that mends you. I'm the Lord that makes you whole. I still remember a sermon that Guy preached several years ago about wholeness. And it stuck with me all these years. Right? And I've pondered on that many times. Is that God just doesn't want to just fix you in bits. God wants to make you whole. Spirit, body, mind, soul. Complete wholeness in every aspect. So how does God bring about this healing? Well, we see it in this passage. We see it in this passage. If we look towards the end of this little section, it says, if you would diligently, um, no, sorry. So how does God heal the waters? How does God heal the waters? What does it say? What did he say? It took a log. Or another translation would be it took a tree. Any bright Bible scholar tell me what the tree symbolizes? The cross. The tree, the cross is, is never really mentioned specifically in the Old Testament to my knowledge, right? But the tree is the symbol of the cross and that is mentioned over and over again, right? This tree is mentioned. And so what God is saying is he's saying, I will apply the tree of the cross to the bitter waters of your life and that will bring about healing. And that is the only way that we will bring and find God's true healing is through the cross, the cross applied to the bitter waters of our hearts and our lives.
If you want God to deal with your bitterness this morning, if you want God to deal with your heart, if you want God to calm and challenge and change and, and be, just finally once and for all deal with your past, the only way is through coming to, to the cross and identifying your, yourself with Christ in his death. You see, I, I want to finish by just talking about the, the, the physical nature of some of our problems. And I was chatting to, um, to Pat, there's Pat, just before the meeting, and we got talking about this. Um, uh, and what's really evident is that when we allow bitterness or things to happen in our hearts and our lives, it will cause, for many of us, physical problems. And Pat, uh, her, her husband, is not very well and he's currently uh, in a home and, and the, the doctors were, or the, the care people were talking to you, weren't they? And talking about many of these people in this room, they're not sort of really ill, ill. Basically, they've just been bitter for such a long time that really their whole lives have just ended in sort of disaster physically. And I want to say to you that, and I, I did a little research and study on this, and it basically says that um, there's, there's actually studies out there that evidence that the, I quote, the data that negative mental states cause heart problems is just stupendous. The data is just as established as smoking, and the size of the effect is the same. There are evidence, study, ev- like research studies that show those people who have got undealt with issues in their life will suffer physical symptoms. It's just as obvious as when someone smokes and the effect is just the same. When there are things in our life that are undealt with, when you this morning, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all physical issues are related to your issues underneath the surface. Right? That's not the case. But for many of us, we may be struggling with physical issues and the, the, what God is saying to you this morning is the root of that is the bitterness of your soul. And the Lord wants to come and heal your bitterness this morning. He wants to come and bring a healing. And if you, God heals you inside, the guarantee that that will flow and it will, you'll, you'll find a healing on the outside. And I'm, I am utterly convinced. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, physical illness will not keep you from going on with God. Often your physical condition will bring you closer to God. But undealt bitterness will only separate you from God. It will only take you further and further away from him. And you leave that undealt with and your life is going backwards fast. You know, I just sense that the Lord really wants to come and touch people's hearts this morning and people's lives. And you know, bitterness can start small and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And bitterness may not, we're not, you know, your past may be two weeks ago. It may be yesterday. It doesn't have to be 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. It can be something that someone said to you yesterday. And if you leave it undealt with, it will affect you. Right? Anybody that's been married for any kind of period of time knows that one of the biggest dangers that you have in your marriage is when one of you says something to you or does something and you leave it undealt with, and two weeks later, you've got a massive argument and you're falling out and you don't quite know why, but the issue was the fact that you held on to something that someone did two weeks ago. Amen? All the men said amen, yeah? <laughs> you know, when we... Um, that's what I was going to say. You know, I, 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 I did my shoulder in this week, right? Um... And I was chatting to someone about physio and sort of whether I need to get some physio. I don't. All right. But 
the thing is, is that, I don't know, I mean, Guy's a doctor, but there's lots, if you're a physio, and Hannah's not here this morning, um, and she is a physio, but as I understand it, a lot of the problems that are caused in our, in our physical bodies with physio is to do with a, a, an overcompensation from one part to the other. So, for example, if your back is out, it's quite often because maybe your legs aren't right. right? And occasionally, oh, Joe's a physio. Is that right, Joe? Is that true? And basically, a lot of the physiological problems you have in your muscles are caused by an overcompensation in one area because of an, a default in another area. And I believe that's what I'm going to finish with, that word this morning, is if you are struggling and suffering physically, it's because you have got a... There are some people, I'm not saying everybody, there, is, there may be spiritual issues in your life and you are overcompensating and it is causing stress, it's causing aggravation because you're spending so much energy trying to contain all this thing in this area, contain the bitterness, contain it. I've got to put on the front, I've got to hold it together, I've got to be the drive, I've got to prove that I'm not like that. You're investing so much physical energy and so much your body's having to work so hard to compensate for all of the, the, the bitterness or the, the, the anger or the frustration or the disappointment that's in you that the Lord wants to release you from it. And the Lord's saying this morning, I am your healer. And I want to heal you because I love you. And I want to deal with this spiritual condition that you're in. And then once I've dealt with the spiritual condition, from that, a physical healing will flow. So I'm done, right? Okay? So we're just going to stand, right? Um, If you're able, we're just going to stand. And I'm just going to open in prayer. And I'm just going to ask the Lord, if you know this morning that the Lord has been speaking to you and there are things that have been stirred in your heart, right, whether it's against somebody or something or some situation, still you know that you're not fully experiencing the healing of God. I want you just to respond to the Lord this morning. And we're just going to, I don't know what we're going to do. Daniel's going to make something up, right, okay? All right, but we this morning are going to find God's healing for our lives. Amen. And I, want to, I believe there are people here this morning that can walk out with no scar. With no scar because of what the Lord has done. Let's just pray. Lord, I want to thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha. The Lord, I am the Lord that heals you. Lord, and your healing was for the bitterness in their souls, for the past, for the endurance, for the challenges that they'd been through. Lord, and we recognize that we are not just physical, but we are spiritual. We are soulish beings, Lord. And we know that what happens, Lord, in the spiritual or in the soul, in the emotional, can affect the physical. Lord, they're all interwoven. Lord, you've made it that way, Lord. You've not made us three separate compartments. We're not robots, Lord, who just need mechanical fixing. Lord, that's not what you do when you come to heal. You want to heal our hearts because your heart and your love is to bring us into relationship and joy with you. That's what you're all about. Lord, and this morning, there are people here that you have said, I want to deal with that thing once and for all. I want to show you that I am the Lord, your healer. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that knows you've been putting your finger on their life. Lord, just touching that thing that maybe happened yesterday or maybe it happened 30 years ago. The Lord says, I want to remove even the scarring. I want to make you so free of it that you can barely remember it. But you're looking forward, not looking backwards. Lord, may you make us into a people that look forwards. They're looking at what you are and where you're taking us. And Lord, and our identity is not found in where we've come from, but in who you have made us to be. 
Lord, that our identity is in Christ, that I am a new creation, I'm a new creature. Lord, may you bring that into our, into our hearts this morning. We believe that with all our hearts that we are new in you. Lord, I love you so much. Lord, I bless you for this word. I love these people around me. Lord, I love this family. Lord, may you be good to us this morning. May you move in power. Lord, and just touch us. And any of us that need you, may we just cry out to you and see you do what you want to do, Lord. Amen.